0: Good morning, West. Oh, this is great. I can't see anybody. Um, yeah, I know. What am I doing up here? Um, when I figure that out, I'll let you know. But uh, the truth is is that um, Andrea came to me and asked me if I would speak today. And, of course, immediately in my brain said, absolutely not. I have no training. I'm not a preacher. I have no idea what you're talking about. Then um, I, th- I told her I would think about it, and I thought about it. And for a week or so, and I came home from lunch one day, and I really... Uh, I just felt like maybe I should you know maybe instead of having someone come in here that doesn 't know us, you could have someone that does know us, so um, you know i 've been here from the start, and I figured we 'll give it a shot. Um, so all apologies, please understand I am not trained i don 't have a degree in anything i haven 't spoke uh, publicly except for a couple of crazy bit lines up here, probably since I was sixteen years old. Um, But apparently, the boss thinks I have something to say, so we'll try to say it. And to the internet, hello. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Um, So anyway, the uh, the other reason this whole thing started was, you know, being involved in the church. uh, I I did not grow up in a church. And once I started getting involved, and, and it's a wonderful thing, but there are those little nuisances, nuances, and, you know, folks that kind of want to pull things their own way, and then there's sad things with people getting sick, and it's just a lot of... It, it can be tumultuous, and, and it takes a lot out of a person. So I decided from the get-go that I would try to be the funny guy. So anytime there was something goofy, you know, and I had Aunt Andrea alone, I would say something funny to her. Without hurting anyone's feelings, somewhere between September of 2010 and yesterday, we had a preacher that was a guest, and they were not very good. And um, they were... It just wasn't very good, and I made a comment in the back. I was like, you know, why don't you just have me get up there and talk? (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) Um, Because I want to give a little disclaimer, because I am not trained and I don't know how to dig and research scriptures and Hebrew and all those things, um, what I thought I would do was hit on a couple of things that meant something to me as I've moved on in my life, and maybe they'll be something that will stick with you folks and will help you, and if not, you could possibly spend the next 20 minutes witnessing a train wreck. So, I mean, what could be wrong with that, right? Um, I'll start off with uh, a little bit of my story. When I was in first grade, my mom took my sister and I to a little Methodist church in Vernon, New Jersey. It's about an hour from New York City, but it looked a lot like Mooresville before the buildup. It's a rural town, dairy farms, but still reasonably close to New York. And um, my dad didn't go too often, and I was in first grade, and um, I came home from Sunday school or church one day, and he said to me, did you learn anything in Sunday school today? I said, no, and I don't like it, and I don't want to go back. And he looked at my mother, and he said, okay, the kid's done. Uh, I, except for some Christmas and Easter's, I did not step foot in a church until I was 16, now that may to a lot of people especially that want to you know keep their kids involved in the church and and try to raise them and rear them properly might seem dramatic but in reflection now it was actually kind of a wonderful thing because one i had no preconceived notions of what church was once god kind of knocked on my door um I was always kind of seeking and wondering as a teenager. I just felt like there was something more, but um, you know, I was, it was the late 70s and early 80s, and you know, I was kind of uh, you know, worried about myself more than anything, just like pretty much anybody does. And um, without going into a long, long story, I had a bells and whistles experience. Uh, I was invited to a Bible study while waiting for a friend of mine who was notoriously late. Um, now, I don't know if they even have these anymore, but we had a drive-in movie theater. That was the big thing to do in my town. And this guy had this Ford Galaxy 500, and this thing was... You could fit... I mean, you see me, and I was even 30 pounds lighter. You could fit about four of me in his trunk, plus some other things. So we would get, like, two people to pay, and then there'd be a bunch of people in the trunk, and we'd go up to the movie theater and hang out all night. So, and again, this is New York, and it's, like, 7980. 80. Um, he was late running around picking up, we'll just use the term libations, and they weren't all liquid, and um, we had a rule in my town, they had a loitering thing because kids would come hang out, it would almost be like, you know, just sitting on a concrete sign on Main Street, you know, like hanging out in front of the bank in downtown Mooresville or something. So when the police came, you had to get up and start walking, and they also had vagrancy laws, you always had to have two dollars in your pocket or they could arrest you. And these loitering tickets were like 75 bucks back then. That, to me, was like, you know, thousands of dollars. So this guy was late. I mean, he was supposed to pick me up, but he's late. I'm waiting for him. And, you know, the police are come by, and I'm walking and walking. And this friend of mine who lived down the street, um, her mom, it was kind of like the house mom, you know, everyone went to their house. She said, uh, you know, my brother's in this Bible college, and he's holding Bible studies. And we're trying to get some folks down there. I'm like, yeah, Bible studies. I'm on my way to the to are drive-in movie theater, and we're going to have fun, you know, all night, <laughs> and um, he continued to be late, and the police continued to circle, and I started walking, and I, I got to be honest with you, I, I'm not going to say I heard the voice of God or anything, but I just felt this presence come over me, and I literally just felt my body walking toward her house, almost wondering to myself, why am I doing this? Um, he actually came up the street and he told me, he's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Bible study. He's like, what? I was driving around picking up all this stuff. I was like, yeah, well, that was 45 minutes ago. And anyway, I, um, I said, I'm going. He looked at me like I was nuts and continued on his way. And, um, in that house that night, I was the first time I ever really heard the story of who Jesus was and what he did. um, since then, I, you know, it's a long story and there's lots of ups and downs. And believe me, I am probably the least spiritual person here. Uh, and trust me when I say that. I have been all over the place. I've gone through my addictions, I've gone through my troubles and stuff, but I continued, well, I thought I continued to chase after God, but apparently, and now I look at it now, He's been chasing after me. Um, I've been in and out of just about every denomination you could think of. Um, you know, in Methodist churches and Church of God. I've been in Catholic churches. I've been in, um, you know, uh, the uh, African Baptist Methodist type churches where the services are two and a half hours. And I just, my, my view of what the church should be was not really tainted. It was all of these things. And so hopefully I can give you a little piece of me and maybe you can take this with you um, to start the new year. Maybe there's something in here that will ring a bell or mean something to you. Um. So what I'm going to do is, uh, because I, I don't have the research skills, uh, I've picked some passages. Like I said before, that means something to me. But you also notice that they are admittedly pulled out of context because it was something that I read at some point that hit me. Now I don't, again, know anything about preaching, but I do know, you know, when you when you start to research, you know, you want to try to pull in as many different uh, areas as you can. And, and present it, and then maybe you could tie something into it. And really, to pull things out of context and look at the other facet is something you have to be careful with. But I've already apologized for that, so I'm going to do it. Now, now I know why she keeps water up here. I promise you, this is the only long passage. This is from Luke nine twenty-seven 27-39. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and they went up to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but they became fully awake. They saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Peter. I mean, I'm sorry, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And it says here he did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept to themselves, and they did not tell anyone at, the time, at that time what they had seen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look for, at my son for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and suddenly he screams. It throws him into convulsions, so that he foams at the mouth, and it scarcely ever leaves him, and it is destroying him. Okay. That is the story some know is what they call the transfiguration, and um, there's probably, I mean, a good preacher could probably stretch that passage out for a couple months. I just want to pick two little things. You know, one of the reasons I'm here, I, I, you know, you see me play guitar and you've seen me do some other things. Um, I was not born with the gift. I mean, you take someone like Michael, who could barely put his arms around a guitar when he was 12. And, you know, by the time he was 17, he could eat a bowl of cereal off the top of my head and just rip up and down a fretboard. He was born with the gift. I was born. The only thing that I can really find out as I've looked over the last 50 years is I have some passion. And I just try to put that in everything I do. And that's what pretty much got me here. That's what got me playing guitar. And it's actually got me through a lot um, of my life. And the reason I mention that is everybody that comes in here, before you all get here, Margaret opens the door at 7. There's a team of people coming in and putting things together. Um, All the way up to Andrea preaching, we say goodbye, we lock it up, and we break it all down again. Those people not only have passion, but they have a passion for something. Um, Now, we all know the church is real missional, and we do a lot of things in the community around the globe, but is that it? Is that why we come here? I mean, it's very important. It's what Jesus told us to do. But I would bet if they were up here, they would agree with what I'm about to say. Is it somewhere in their life they caught a glimpse Maybe they got a a bucket full, but they at least caught a glimpse of God and who he is. He touched them somehow, some way. And they come here and do what they do, and I do what I do, and I'm pretty sure Andrea does what she does, because somewhere along the line, they got a little taste of of who God is, and they just want to share it. I mean, that's pretty much what it's all about. These guys got a real glimpse. I mean, one of the things I try to do when I'm if I take a piece of scripture and read it for myself, is I, I try to inject myself in it. Now, I, it's not 2,000 years ago. I don't really have a point of reference. So when I think about this passage, it's like Jesus took me and to Laguna Beach, California, for a picnic with, like, you know, good Italian subs. And, and Elvis and John Lennon are there. And then and then God shows up, you know, with, with a fog on a surfboard or something. You know, just like the most amazing thing you can think of. I mean, Moses. Moses, you know, besides Abraham being the father of Judaism, Moses was the man. I mean, he delivered them from bondage from all those years. I mean, Moses in the Jewish religion is up here. And then Elijah, I don't know if you know, was a major prophet who was swept off the earth. He was taken away, I think, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but he's pulled into the clouds or something. So a lot of the, um, the Jewish people believed that Elijah was the one that was going to come back and reign. He was going to do what Jesus ultimately did. Um, I, Growing up in New York, I had a lot of Jewish friends, and I did some Passover seders, and most um, Jewish families will leave an empty seat for Elijah, hoping that he will come back and that the, you know, the Jewish kingdom and the kingdom of God will reign on the earth again. So when they saw Moses and Elijah, I mean, they're like the rock stars of Judaism. You know, they, they were just floored. It says Peter didn't even know what he was saying. He was probably out of his mind. And then Jesus has got, you know, looks like lightning and, and lighten up. And then God shows up in a cloud. I mean, you know, they caught a glimpse of God. I mean, I, I really believe that walking with Jesus and seeing what they saw helped them turn the world upside down, which they did. I mean, we're standing here today still talking about it. So that was my part about the glimpse of God. But the thing that really grabs me about this passage, because I could have ended it there, was at the end, the next day, when they came down from the mountain, so there were an, um, in Matthew or Mark, the other account of this, says they were high on a mountain. So I'm assuming, you know, on foot, you know, with sandals and whatnot, it takes a while to get down. They get down to the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> Am I supposed to stop now? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I didn't touch anything. Uh, Maybe that was my glimpse. Um, They get to the bottom of this mountain. Is that better? They get to the bottom of this mountain, and there's a child with a malady. I mean, he's sick. He's got a problem. Now, you know, people argue about, oh, you know, whether he was demon-possessed or whether he was sick. It doesn't matter. There's a little boy with an issue, you know, And, and it's terrible. And his father says it's consuming him. Only point, you know, we could argue about all, there's a lot of stuff in there. All I'm trying to tell you is that even when you're on the top of the mountain, even when you can catch a glimpse of God, man, tomorrow you could be down at the bottom trying to deal with something horrible. Jesus didn't get a break. I mean, he it's, you know, when you go on vacation and, uh, uh, you, got, you come back, you know, like on a Sunday afternoon and you're like, man, I wish I had one more day to get myself together. Like, I wish I could have Monday off so I can get my brain together and get to work. Well, what do you think happened here? Same thing. I mean, he comes down off this mountain, they see the most glorious sight ever, and all of a sudden, there's a real life serious situation. And, and I know this is probably sophomoric, and I know you all know this, but that's how life is. I mean, that's what happens. We're up here and we're down here. And Jesus, like I said, didn't get a break either. He not only experienced pain and all the other things on the cross, he even experienced some of the stuff we go through on a day-to-day basis where, you know, things are wonderful and the next day they're not so much. And it doesn't make anything I'm saying, it doesn't make it any better. But knowing that it can happen or, or will happen or, or has happened, can at least help us with anticipation, maybe keep the anxiety a little bit lower, and know that God has gone through this too. And, you know, through the glories and through the highs, he's still there with us. Okay. Um, the next uh, piece of scripture that spoke to me is in Luke 14, 7-9. When he noticed how the ge- uh, Jesus was about to eat, I should preface, at a, a Pharisee's house. There was a banquet. When he noticed how the guests picked their places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you have to take the least important place. Okay, there's probably a lot in that one too, but what, what stands out to me when i read this, and I read this a while ago, was the guy picking this picking this place. I mean, he thought he knew where he belonged. I, was just, I, I I'm going to need to get near the seat of honor. I'm right. I know where I belong. This is the place I need to be. When, um, when God knocked on my door back in it was probably the summer of 1980, I believe, and I, I told you about about how that happened. Um, a year later, there was uh, the first report from the CDC regarding the AIDS virus. We're also in the Reagan years. You know, Wall Street was rocking, and you know, we, the, uh, the economy had gotten better, and I know selfishness pervades probably from the day man was created, but it just pretty pretty strong back then. And I just remember that you know, I had, you know, God had found me and I'm, you know, reading the Bible and I'm going to Bible studies and I'm, I'm experimenting with different churches and stuff. And I was just like, well, you know, I, I, I felt bad for those people. But, you know, I mean, you play with fire and uh, th- th- there was no compassion in any of it. But I thought I was right. And I, it, it just, it, it gets me that now, it, it, I'm, next week I'm going to be 51 years old. I don't know anything. I'm not really right about anything. The more and more I look at stuff, the less I really know about it. And um, so, you know, for me, I'm hoping that they leave the banquet door open a crack and I can get a toe in. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to go picking my seat at the table of honor anymore. But at one time, I had my butt there. I was sitting there. I was ready to go. And I was so wrong. I mean, there were people that needed help back then. There were people that needed love. There were people that were struggling. I mean, you know, we were, uh, you know, the excesses were starting to build again after, you know, kind of that recession in the 70s. And um, I didn't care about any of that. You know, I found God. Um, So I would just warn you, if you think you're right, you might not, because I know I'm not. Um, and, And at least... The next passage I go into may help you a little bit um, get there, but uh, you'll find as, as time goes on and as you look at things that you're not always right, and even though it may feel it. Um, the next part I'd like to talk to you about is in Second Corinthians. It's 10.5. Now this passage set this up to this passage is, is a lengthy passage about how we're supposed to fight evil and the evil in the world and evil spirits and all that. But this stuck out to me a long time ago, and it was before the "What Would Jesus do?" bracelets. It says, "We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ." I have four children. I was a single dad for a while. My third son, I'll never forget this. I I, I walked into his bedroom one day, and he was still in diapers. I'm going to say he was two and a half. He had Vaseline and baby powder all over him. (laughs) He had baby powder all over half the bedroom. I mean, it was a complete disaster. And I'm looking at this going, and I was like, Ashton, what happened? And he pointed at the cat. Now, now, even if you don't have children, I would want one person to tell me, well, don't do it now because I'll probably forget what I'm doing, but has anybody ever had a child or know of a child that came out that they had to teach to lie? They come out like that. We all come out like that. We have to teach them the truth. We have to teach them to be honest. We have to teach them to be right. But they come out, I mean, the kid could barely speak. He's pointing at the cat. I mean, are you? I'm looking at them, are you. You can't be kidding me. Um, you know, now we consider and argue about whether it's you know the original sin or or, or survival of the fittest, it's evolutionary or whatever. These are the areas where I, I just don't like to get into too much because it doesn't matter. We come out lying. <laughs> I don't care what it's for. Why? We do, um, you know, and, and, I, and I've got other kids, and I've got other stories, but I'll just leave, I'll give you the the, safe one, the G story. Um, when, I, when I look at, and, and lying was just was one thing, but when I look at the things that separate us from God, or when I think about the things that separate me from God, and there are many, and they come and go, um, it seems to me, even if you look at evil deeds or acts or things that, that hurt other people, they're usually not something that is a split second. Most of the time, there's some thought involved. And it appears to me anyway, and especially in my life, that before I do something wrong or before I say the wrong thing or before I, you know, um, you know even if it's something wrong at work or something that I don't want to admit to you in public, there's a thought first. And it just seemed to me that, man, all that stuff starts up here. I mean, think about, you know, we talk about, oh, you know, my heart, it hurts. my heart hurts. But really, all that stuff's up here. I mean, this, these, these, this is just, you know, physical limbs. They move around. They, they work wherever the brain tells it to go. And that's really where your heart, and in my opinion, again, I, I have no training, but your soul, all those things are up in your head. So I figured some of you that knew I was going to preach, I was going to put all kinds of crazy videos up and do anything I could to kill time because I'm... Um, half scared to death and didn't know what to say, but I don't have any of that. I have one prop. When I read that verse, this is what I thought of. This is one of those gold coffee filters. And I just, again, this is totally out of context because this verse has to do with fighting evil. But it kept saying, make your thoughts obedient to Christ. And I thought to myself, you know, if I could filter my thoughts through Jesus, and I did give him the gold one, if I could filter my thoughts through him, what would Jesus do? You call it whatever you want. You know, I I could you know maybe I would make so many wrong decisions or choices or maybe I would go left instead of right or whatever it is. Because if I started to get my mind thinking like he does, and that's not an easy task, but you know to, if you keep that in the forefront, if you get the Jesus filter in your brain and let those things hit first, maybe. Just maybe some of the stuff you do wrong won't happen or you'll, like I said, go right instead of left. Um, you know, I don't... Um, it, you know, I, 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 like I said, I, I'm really, really not a super spiritual person. I've, it, it's, it's hard for me to be up here because I feel like I'm just not worthy. But on the other hand, I'm just anybody. There's, there really isn't anything special about me. I'm no better than any one of you. And there are certain things that help us get to a place where we might get a glimpse of God or get closer to God or react a little better to God. Um, I, uh, I know that um, there, there's that whole argument about why we're the way we are and go get it and do for yourself and, and those type of things. But yet, what are we really here to do anyway? I mean, we can argue about where we came from, about where these words came from and how long ago they were. And, um, or even this, you could get trapped in this. You could sit here and take your little filter and go into your room and think about it for three days and get nothing done. You know, that's why it's a filter, in and out, just let it go through. Um, the reason I'm saying this is that I feel like, you know, we have the now. I could argue about where we came from. I, we could argue about the evolutionary process and whether it is survival of the fittest or, or it's our sin nature that makes my son blame the cat for, you know, baby powder and Vaseline. You know, we you, you could find a lot, of, a lot of things to talk about and go back and wonder about. Okay, but now what? What are you going to do now? What are you supposed to do now? I mean, we could sit here and talk about the past and not do a thing. I mean, that's part of Andrea's vision for this place, to hold the no walls and, and going out and touching people. So, um, you know, in, in retrospect, I, I hope that, you know, one of these things, whether it's a, a glimpse of God or, a, you know, um, understanding that, you know, if you could go from glory to sub-levels in a moment's notice in the blink of an eye, uh, you know, maybe a little Jesus filter to help you get your thoughts together. Maybe if something would uh, stick for you in the new year and give you a chance to get a little bit closer to God somehow, some way, as we approach 2015. Um, I really appreciate, and I know it's dark, but I did not see one of you leave. (laughs) (laughs) So I thanks so much. Um, I, I really do, and I'd like to close this in prayer. Father God, Lord, I've, I've come a long way and I have a long way to go. I know I really don't know much of anything, but I do know that I saw you once and it changed my life. It changed who I am. And I just pray that a glimpse of you, a glimpse of that glory, a, a drop, anything, anything I said, anything the video said, maybe a you note know in the music today, just any part of what happened here today will touch someone and help them just recognize who you are and who you've called us to be lord just bless this place everyone in here we have a new year coming up and we just want it to be great and we want you to be a part of it and we thank you and ask for all these things in jesus name amen oh, you thought i was done but i really really figured if i didn't do a good job you need to leave with something today so hear this, because this is for everybody. John twenty twenty nine. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And then in Matthew, tie these together. In Matthew eleven eleven, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And that's all of you. Have a great new year. Have a good week.